Hi everyone and welcome to a new episode of Swisspreneur. Today we're going to meet Alan Frey. He's a Swiss entrepreneur and known for his minimalistic lifestyle. He's also the co-founder of Amorana and also founded Nachhilfeportal.de before he launched his successful e-commerce startup. We're going to talk about failures, about how to actually start a company in Switzerland and what role the failure of the company of his father played for his entrepreneurial career. Now let's have a chat with Alan. Before we get started with the episode, I would like to introduce you to SBB Startup. If you think that your company is a good fit for the Swiss Railways, get in touch with them or learn more about their startup programs at sbbstartup.com. Alan, a very warm welcome to the Swisspreneur Founders Essential uh, online show. It's a pleasure to have you here today. Thanks for having me. I would like to start with the first question. You studied in China uh, during your uh, bachelor's degree, and you said that you were inspired by the Chinese ecosystem to start your own company when you got back to Switzerland. Yeah. What do you think you, the Swiss startup ecosystem could learn from the Chinese ecosystem? There's a lot of things they can learn from. Uh, in my opinion, there are like only three real startup hubs in the world. It's like Silicon Valley, it's Israel and it's uh, China. Uh, I strongly believe that the mentality in China is very entrepreneurial driven. Even though it's a communistic country or a communist country, uh, it's very entrepreneurial. Um, and the thing that I've learned from Chinese people is they don't have business plans. Chinese people are the ones I've met. They just don't have business plans. Today, luckily, it's not a, it's business plans are not a common thing anymore. But when I started uh, doing startups like 10 years ago, everybody was asking for business plans. Uh, today, people want to have presentations and they want to have the story. But back in the days, it was business plans. And I realized quickly that Chinese people, they don't have business plans. They're just doing things. And uh, I think that's the whole concept. The whole concept of entrepreneurship or, or writing or doing podcasts or whatever. It's just do the fir very first step, do the first word, write the first word down and, and just do it like, like Nike says. So, uh, and, and Chinese people, they have that. Um, they don't ask, they don't ask, should I do it or, or how should I, shall they just do it. And that's what I learned. I came back and I was so inspired by the Chinese uh, philosophy of, of, of doing things. I think that's an amazing story to, to start with. Where should Swiss entrepreneurs start in that regard in just doing it? What would you recommend a newborn entrepreneur where they should get started? So looking back, what I would have done, um, looking back to, you know, when I would have been like 15 years ago when I was 20, uh, I think I would have moved to Silicon Valley first or, or uh, maybe Israel or, or China, as I mentioned, or maybe Berlin, but I would prefer the other three hubs. And I would have worked for, for a um, startup there first. Um, so a young entrepreneur or somebody who wants to be an entrepreneur work for uh, such a company first. Um, abroad uh, then come back um, and and start your your own business here uh, i like the philosophy of um, jack ma the alibaba founder so he says you work from 
20 to 30, you work for someone. From 30 to 40, you work on your own business. And from 40 to 50, you let other people work for you. And I like that philosophy. Uh, I think it makes a lot of sense. Um, so choose wisely where you spend your first couple of years. Uh, I think experience in the sense of working for a corporate is overrated. Um, I think experience working in a consulting company is overrated or investment banking. There are a couple of very successful entrepreneurs I know, like the founders of VIEW, they were consultants. So it works, but I think working for, for, a, for a great entrepreneur abroad, this is something uh, that's, that will really help you in the long run. What should you focus on in order to get the most out of that experience? What would you have been looking for when you first started out during your 20s? I think I would go for a company that uh, is solving big problems. And that's uh, for sure something very, something very interesting. In case, in case it works, uh, you, know, you, you know how to scale up a big company. And in mm -hmm. case it doesn't work, um, you, will, you will learn a lot how people react if it doesn't work, if a company fails. And that's very interesting. So I would go for, for a high risk, um, high scalable company. I would look for one like these and, and just t ask them if they pay me minimum salary and if, I, if they pay me food and, and, and I will just work for the CEO. That would be something I would do in my 20s looking backwards. That's, that's something I, I believe that, that would help a lot of entrepreneurs. And then come back and then go for a lot of founders. This is, this is the essence of entrepreneurship, in my, in my opinion. A lot of founders, they have a small idea or an itch of an idea and they don't solve a real problem. And then they fall in love with that small problem. And that happened to me so often. You know, I have this idea, I talk to people and they say, okay, this is a good idea. It makes a lot of sense. And then you are falling in love with the idea and you're, you're investing time and then you, you want to launch it and you need to convince people about, uh, with your idea. You need, to, you need to explain it all the time. And that's the point where you should realize as an entrepreneur, that's not yet the idea or the business I want to proceed with um, because you need to explain it and you need to convince people and in the moment you need to convince people it's not a it's it's very hard to to scale it up quickly mm -hmm. so uh, young entrepreneurs and young founders need to test things and they should do it like a computer they shouldn't test it parallel they should test it sequentially so they have a hypothesis, try it, doesn't work, change it, pivot, do the next one in, in, in that matter and not, not parallel having different projects side by side. Mm -hmm. And then if you have something that, that you are really passionate about and people really like uh, when, you're, when you're telling them about and you don't need to explain and you don't need to, to convince them to buy it, then you have something. And then it's, it's a real interesting thing. So um, don't jump on, on any conclusion. Ju don't jump on any startup. I think um, it's not a big problem if you're failing with your startup. The problem is if you're getting successful with your startup and then suddenly you're like four, five, six years in a startup and uh, you maybe didn't want to do that startup. You know, Maybe you didn't want to, to, to do that startup 
and uh, it, it became successful. So this is something that um, that people or young entrepreneurs need to think very clear about. What is the thing I'm going to do? And I'm testing it um, instead of jumping on an opportunity because somebody did it in Berlin and somebody did it in, in the US. And I had to learn that in a hard way. In, in what hard way have you had to learn this with your first startup, the nachhilfeportal.de? Yeah. Was that the first one where you really had to learn that? I learned with every startup I did. I, le I learned um, these, these are like my small, my small adventures where I could learn things. And I wrote after every failure, I wrote down like the, the main things that I did wrong. Um, and uh, with Nachhilfe Portal, we did um, especially something. We did like two big mistakes. Um, mistake number one is we didn't focus. And so what we wanted to do at Nachhilfe Portal was a matchmaking for tutoring services, peer-to-peer -to -peer tutoring services. This is no rocket science, but at the time when we started it, not too many people have done that yet. So uh, we wanted to do that. We did that in Switzerland first, and then a big school book publisher uh, saw us and he, he decided, you know, I'm investing money in you guys. Let's do that in Germany. So we started with it, and that was the idea of matching people. And then our, um, uh, our investor, the, the school book publisher said, you know what, I have school books. I want to sell them through the platform as well. So we decided to take the school books on the platform. And then we decided, you know what, we should have an online classroom where people can have online tutoring services. So we started with matching online classroom and selling, um, selling uh, books. And so that was the, the, the main failure at the beginning. We didn't focus on one thing because all of these three startups or three products will be one uh, single startup. Absolutely. So that's something we, we, we didn't realize. Uh, that was failure one. The second failure was um, when you're a marketplace, um, we tried to scale it very quickly. So uh, often if people are creating a marketplace online, they have the uh, misconcept of, I need a lot of supply. So in our case, that would have been a lot of teachers, right? Mm -hmm. So what we tried to do is to get a lot of teachers in Germany, like eight to 10,000 uh, teachers in every Bundesland. And we scaled that up and it took us like five, six months to get like these 10,000 teachers. Mm -hmm. And then what we did after having these teachers, we made marketing for our, uh, for, for um, parents, you know, like that they will book the, sure. the, the teachers. Sort of the second side of the platform. Exactly. And then what happened was we had a lot of students on the platform being tutoring teacher or teachers. And so parents came on the platform, they contacted the first one. The first one didn't reply because there were students and, you know, they, after six months, they had a new job or they left, they left the platform or whatever. They didn't reply. So they wrote to the second one. The second didn't reply. They wrote to the third one. The third one didn't reply. And then you're never going to the platform again. So suddenly these eight, 9,000 uh, teachers weren't an asset. They were a liability. Mm -hmm. And suddenly it took us a long time to, to, um, to reactivate these teachers and, and see if they're still online. And this took us a lot of time. And so that's why we failed. So we failed because lack of focus and we didn't understand how marketplaces are built, that marketplaces are built, in my opinion, hyper-local, and then you scale it up. Mm -hmm. 
Do you have any suggestions or recommendations how first-time entrepreneurs could really get this focus part right or some best practices that you could share? The, the first thing is don't test parallel. This is something that's very, very important. Uh, you as an entrepreneur, me as an entrepreneur, we see a lot of opportunities. That's the reason why we aren't lawyers. If you're a lawyer, you see a lot of risk. <laughs> but if you're an entrepreneur, you see a lot of opportunities. This is a great thing. But you need to, you need to focus this, um, this concept of, of having a lot of ideas. And if you're having different ideas parallel, you're going to fail. Because even if one idea is good, there's a high chance that someone else is working only on that idea. And then you won't beat that person. So this parallel versus sequential, this is something that's, that's I can't stress it enough. Um, a lot of entrepreneurs or first-time entrepreneurs I know, they have different projects and it's, it's doomed to fail. And uh, it took me years to realize that. And um, so if someone is having different projects, I know it won't work. Mm -hmm. it, it's, it never does. So this is step one. Uh, step two is if something is not working, you know, then cut it. Don't ride the dead horse. Uh, so often, and it happened, you know, I'm not taking myself out here. I, I did the same mistakes. Um, so I had a project. It worked a little bit, but not really good. And we had, we're a project group. And I always thought, okay, I'll just keep a couple of percentage of, the, of equity, sure. in, uh, hoping that someday it will work out. It never works out. It never does. Because nobody's focusing on it. How do you determine like when it's time to move over to another project and, and, and when you should actually stop doing what you're doing? What would be good KPIs or good measurements? I think that's the holy grail of being an entrepreneur. That's it. You know, focusing, you know, believing in your idea, but on the same time be your, your, your uh, hardest critic about it. Uh, th this is it. And this isn't something you could... Um, you, I think you can't boil it down to numbers or maybe somebody tries it, but I've never seen it because if somebody figures that out, you know, that's the essence of, of entrepreneurship. Mm -hmm. When do you decide to stop a project and when do you decide to proceed with a project? Um, one thing is experience and how do you get experience if you don't have experience? Normally it's having great uh, experience is having, um, making bad decisions. And so you need to do first bad decisions that you will have great experience. But another thing you can do is, you know, you can read books. You can read books about other entrepreneurs. You can listen to your podcast and, and listen. And I think this is something that helps. Listen and read a lot of podcasts and, and uh, entrepreneur uh, books. Mm -hmm. And then uh, you start with a single project and you try to to, uh, to uh, start with an MVP and start directly with marketing and talk to people. And if you see that people have something in their eyes and they're like, oh, this is a cool thing, then you're onto something. But if you need to explain, if you need to explain to them, you know, I'm only talking about B2C internet businesses, right? I think I'm, that's a very important. Yes, thing. exactly. I don't know how to do like biotech stuff, and I don't know that. And sure. It's it's different there. I'm for sure. I'm sure. But in 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 internet business to consumer products, it's 
if people are like, oh, this is a cool thing, I want to try it, can I be on the list? And then you have something and um, never, never um, try to convince them of, of using the product. I think this is very important. What role does your family play in that regard? Also like sharing experience or where you grow up? Your father was also an entrepreneur. Yeah. Um, my father was an entrepreneur and I saw the dark side of entrepreneurship. Uh, you know, my father was a... Today, I think that's why I'm, I'm talking so openly about it. Because I really believe... I, I love Switzerland and I think that in Switzerland um, all the problems are, are, are just a bit smaller in Switzerland because our economy is really doing well. And how does an economy do well is by having uh, companies that have employees um, and people who can work there. And unfortunately, uh, today our banks and our pharma companies uh, and their food companies, they're great companies, but um, they are, it's not, the job isn't secure there anymore. Like uh, 30, 40 years, people could work in a company for forever. Mm -hmm. Today, that doesn't work anymore. So I strongly believe that we need to have more entrepreneurs and more entrepreneurs means we need to have more people who fail and to try. It, it's just a numbers game. And so uh, that's today. But when my, when my father started uh, 30 years ago and he, he was an entrepreneur and he failed uh, in 2000 and I think seven, eight or something, mm -hmm. his company went bust. I saw the dark side of entrepreneurship. How did that show? And the thing is, if you don't have a family and you start your next thing, this is easy. But if you, if you lose your company and often you have invested a lot of money in it and you're losing, you're losing the company, uh, you know, also the family needs to cut down heavily. So this is something that I realized and was like, oh my God, uh, I never want that to happen. Mm -hmm. um, so I'm, I'm never trying, you know, there are like two ways how to do that. Either diversify, you know, have nothing, you know, don't risk things, mm -hmm. but that's contrary to the focus part, right? I told you need to focus. And also low reward in that regard. Exactly. Mostly, mostly, mostly low, uh, low return. Um, so focus and put everything in one bucket, but you, it's high risk. Mm -hmm. So what I decided in my case was uh, uh, live this very minimalistic lifestyle. Uh, like Cedric Waldburger, you had on the podcast, um, this is something that helps me a lot um, because I know if a company doesn't work, you know, I can proceed with the next one because I don't have, I don't have a lot of risk um, I'm taking. I don't have a family or something. So if you have a family and, and if you have a big house and cars, you know, the, the, the risk is different. Mm -hmm. And um, so that's something I'm very afraid of. What would be a, a good number there to focus where you want to have your living costs, your monthly expenses? At what level should you try to get them to be in that position that you can just move from project to project until one yeah. succeeds? I think and the, 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 the total number isn't that important. I think mm -hmm. it's more important to have very low fixed costs. Okay. Um, so if your variable costs are a bit higher, uh, you know, that's okay because you can cut them very quickly. Mm -hmm. The fixed costs is something people need to think about uh, who want to be entrepreneurs. Um, just have low rent, you know, live in a, in a, in a shared apartment, uh, don't have a car. 
I don't have a bicycle. Uh, you know, just things that that drain money on a monthly basis uh, and are fixed. This is the problem because these are the neck breakers. If you, you know, as an entrepreneur, if I next month, if I just need to eat pasta, I just eat pasta. I don't care or, or potatoes. So having like having like low fixed costs, this is this is the essence. So and it's very simple to do that. Just cut everything. Just try to cut everything. Cut your Spotify, cut, just cut everything. Go through your credit card and your statement and just can I cut this, can I cut this, can I cut this and just cut everything. And uh, then you will, you will be below, it's probably in Switzerland, below 1,500. And then, you know, then it's, it's just relaxed. Absolutely. Yeah. Did this also make you happier to reduce your life and get rid of a lot of possessions and fixed costs? Yeah, in my case, it, it made me it made me incredibly happy. Um, just the the thing that I try to see myself, or I try to uh, optimize my life in that way that I'm trying to get the positive things and uh, get rid of the negative things. So, for example, I love driving cars. I love. Driving cars, isn't, it's a nice thing, but I don't need to own a car. Mm -hmm. I can rent a car. Um, so on Saturdays, I don't want to clean my car. Uh, I don't want to care about the insurance. I want to drive it. I want to drive to Tessin on the, on the weekend and then come back and give it away again. So that's the whole concept of it. Um, and so having a an, an very lean lifestyle, uh, it just gives me freedom. It gives me opportunities and and yes it made me made me really happy and also a clear focus i guess a clear focus i'm i'm really i have like seven white shirts and two pullovers and i just i, I don't need to worry about what i'm going to wear that's right you also focused very much on learning from your failures and and sort of created a list with all your mistakes what are your top picks on that list mm -hmm. that we haven't talked about yet um, we, we have talked about these main three or about one of these main three. So I, I came, I figured out something like 15, up to 15 big mistakes that I did. And I boiled it down to three main mistakes. The, the number one is the focus thing. Yes. Uh, I can't stress that enough. I think that's the single reason why many, many entrepreneurs fail. It's the focus. Um, the second thing is, I briefly um, scratched that already, is uh, the idea thing. A lot of people, especially now in these days of, you know, of, of, uh, of rocket internet, so many people come and say, are you here? It's 1% idea and 99% execution. I think that's not 100% right or this is not right. I really believe it's about 50-50. I think having a great idea helps a lot. You know, Spotify is a great idea. Airbnb is a great idea. Uber is a great idea. Um, these are good ideas. And then they executed it perfectly and so good. So I strongly believe that people should think more about their idea and not just, and that's what I, was I said about these opportunity, just jumping on the opportunity and, and doing it. I think people need to think what they want to do and, and something they really can imagine themselves working in 20, 30 years. 
it's, it's, it's hard to do that as a first-time entrepreneur, but if you get experience, you will realize that. And the third thing is, uh, even if you're the most talented entrepreneur, you can't do it by yourself. Uh, you need to have a great team and it's just focus on hiring great talented people. I think this is, this is the skill I'm still learning. Uh, I'm not yet there, um, but hire just really good people. Uh, the thing is, if you and, and establish a culture uh, where, where they can thrive, um, this is done in the first couple of days when you start your company. Uh, the creating a culture is very hard to change that after a year or two because it's just it's like a ship it, 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 it takes a long time to navigate so um, focus write down 10 things you want to have in your company what's really important for you and then focus on 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 getting great people and only because you have a lot of work so this is the thing a lot of entrepreneurs do wrong is or first-time entrepreneurs they have a lot of work and then they just hire anyone because they have a lot of work so they just need they just need to hire people and I think this is wrong I really think this is wrong I think people should concretely get a, a reference call you know call their former boss often startups don't do that it's it's trivial yeah, that's right. but it's really important and ask the one question would you hire that person again that easy the second thing is tell that person to come and work for at least a day in your company to get a feeling also for them. The worst thing is if they start and after a month they're leaving again. That's the worst. So um, people need to focus on, on getting great talent and only because they have a lot of things to do doesn't mean that they, um, that they should hire anyone. And often uh, entrepreneurs have the tendency to do that. When you fail with your startup, and I think that also goes along with the, with the team, maybe I can call it your extended team, your social circle was not sort of blaming you for your failure, but they asked you, Alan, what's next? What's yeah. your next company that you're going to start? In what way has that helped you uh, to sort of not only come over the failure, but also to motivate you to start something new? Yeah, uh, I think uh, your, your social circle, this is, this is the essence um, of, of starting again. Uh, I read once a theory, I don't know who, who came up with that theory, but you are the person, you're the, the average of the person um, of the five people you spend the most time with. And I read that once and I, I, it really stuck with me. And I really believe that. And there are some people in your life that are, you know, they're good people, but maybe it's just not, it's, you know, you, you have them as friends before and, and it's great and you spend time with them and sometimes it's fun, sometimes it's not. And it's very hard and because you think you're attached to them, but you need to evolve as well. Mm -hmm. And my, my circle of friends is, is just, you know, we, we literally always talk about ideas. And this is so inspiring. This is so good if we have friends that... You know, there are like three types of people, people who talk about other people, people who talk about events and people who talk about ideas and spend your time with people who talk about ideas. Awesome. And your answer to the question, Alan, what's next was Amorana? No, no, no. Um, so I failed then and then um, I was working at the University of Zurich. 
-hmm. and I helped to, uh, to start the startup center at the University of Zurich. And then my co-founder, he was working at the investment bank and he decided, you know what, I'm going to, um, I, I want to start a company and he called me up because we know, knew each other from university and we were like, okay, let's, let's start the company. And we decided, okay, let's have a phone call every Friday afternoon and exchange ideas. And then he called me up, Ellen, do you have an idea? And I was like, no, Lucas, do you have an idea? No. Okay. Talk to you next Friday. So we did that a couple of, of weeks and then we decided, you know what, this is not working out. Let's, um, let's meet in person. Let's sit together. And then we bounced different ideas. Mm -hmm. And one idea was, um, what we read was, uh, that something like 83 or 85% of, uh, of couples, uh, would like to try more in bed, but they're afraid to do so. Um, so, um, then we had other companies like we saw other companies like Glossybox, Birchbox or Black Sox who had the subscription based model. And we brought these two ideas together and we decided, you know what, we could create, um, a subscription based, uh, sex toy, uh, box, um, just a surprise box. And so we created the landing page uh, within a half a day. Um, we took all our private email addresses. We sent out the emails anonymously to our friends and three of our friends bought something without knowing it's from us but That's we didn't cool. have anything so we had to run uh, to Limatke uh, to a sex toy shop there and we <laughs> bought everything that was 50% off we took the sticker away put it in a box sent it out to our friends and they were like okay the idea is good but the execution is shit mm -hmm. so um, we improved and improved and then we started taking single uh, products not, not only the box but single vibrators and stuff like that mm -hmm. and then Fifty Shades of Grey came along and we had always the hypothesis of uh, sex toys will become a mainstream thing uh, one day. What um, made you think that? Like you have to be very certain or very like convinced that this will happen to yeah. have the motivation to really pull all of this out of the ground, right? Yeah. Uh, we believed in it, first of all, because we've seen the books Fifty Shades of Grey, that there were a big hype. And we saw the products, uh, you know, they were winning like red dot awards and stuff like that. Okay. So these two things made us realize that, you know, it's, it's, it's moving in the right direction. So, uh, it, it, there, there is an opportunity for us that we can create a sex toy shop where we would buy stuff. Mm -hmm. And when we talked with our friends, they were, uh, you know, they never went to, to other stores. They went, never went to retail stores. But they, they were interested in the topic. So we decided that might be a great opportunity to do so. And then we started, we took the single products, Fifty Shades of Grey came out in, in movies and, and it skyrocketed. And, and since then, we were just doing packages all day. And, and then one day we were like, okay, we need to get out of the apartment of Lucas because it was full with dildos and he couldn't invite his grandmother for, for dinner. Uh, so we had, to, we had to move out. Uh, then we went to, to a small cellar and mm -hmm. then we, it was fully packed and then we realized we are not allowed to work in there because we didn't have any daylight and we didn't have fresh air. So we had to move out, out from there. And mm -hmm. um, so we were like really jumping uh, and, and, and growing very quickly. And uh, since now uh, two years, we are now here. Uh, and you've seen it uh, before, uh, we are also, now the capacity is also uh, not yet max, but we are, we, are, we are growing still. So yeah, that's how, 
how Amorana came along. I think that's a very great and also impressive story, also showing the transition from you know, your, your failure or failing over and over again to a two-digit million-dollar Swiss franc business. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I'm very happy that it, it worked out. So we are not, you know, we are not at the, at the end, we are not at the goal, it's still, it's still high risk, it's, it's still a lot of work, but I, I, I'm happy that the learnings from the other failures, uh, you know, I, I could puzzle them together uh, and we are at least at the moment, um, it's, it's, it's on a very good path. Before we started the interview, you also uh, told me a, a very nice story about how you got a very prominent board member, uh, yeah. Roland Brock, yeah. an e-commerce pioneer and guru, I would say, yeah. uh, on board for Amorana. Yeah. Can you quickly tell us how that did that happen and how did you actually go after him to, to convince him to join your startup? Yeah. So this is something, having a, a great board is super helpful for, for entrepreneurs and I would emphasize on on getting a great board and um, have if I look back having in your board you know you need uh, just mentioned before lawyers are, are uh, risk averse you need to have a lawyer in your comp uh, in your board it's just it's very important but on the other hand you need to have entrepreneurs who've done that already and we created the long list of uh, of entrepreneurs and board members we wanted and Roland Brock was on top list and um, we wrote we wrote down who do we want and then we um, we approached we didn't start with Roland looking back we, we tried to approach number three or four first mm -hmm. you know to learn and, and to 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 have the right sentences that they will jump on and then um, what's something that I realize often with entrepreneurs is they they don't get the, the concept of creating value for your other for the other side first. So, so they would only ask, do you want to be on my board? Yes. I want to have your know-how, but don't exactly. deliver anything in return. Exactly. Okay. Can you help me or can I meet you? Sure. And I, I see that often that I, I get emails today and uh, can I meet you once? Can I have an interview once? And, and people don't give anything in return. And uh, especially as an entrepreneur, you know, time is, is the real value today. Mm -hmm. I, I realized that for myself and I decided, you know what, we need to give Roland, a, we need to, to bring him some value. And uh, we don't have any money and we couldn't give him any money or we, we, uh, he, he knows more in e-commerce than we do. But one thing we were quite good at the time was PR and social media. So what I did is I went through all his social media and through his website and, you know, on every website you will find mistakes. So that's the easy part, you know, you'll find mistakes. And if you write and then we, we created an email, it took us an hour, one and a half, you know, where we went through very precise. You can even Google how to write uh, to, to important people. And then we, we, we had that structure. And if you're giving value to someone, you know, and real value, you know, your website, you can improve it this and this and this, and your social media could prove it this and this and this. It's right. very hard for people to say no. Mm -hmm. So uh, then we, we asked him um, if we could meet him for, for 20 minutes talk about e-commerce. We had a couple of questions, so we prepared questions. And out of these 20 minutes, we, had, we didn't have a 20-minute conversation. We had a three-hour conversation. That's a very clear sign. Yeah, and then we just, we, we told him, you know what? Uh, can we update you in, in a regular basis? Is that mm -hmm. possible? 
And nobody, you know, after three hours, nobody's telling you yes uh, or no, we don't do that. So we just sent him like emails after, after a couple of weeks, like our updates, what did we do? And then we asked him if he wanted to join the company. And, um, and he said yes, and we are very happy. And he has like really crazy insights um, and uh, can help us a lot. Now with such a strong team, what are your plans for the future? Where do you want to go? personally yeah. and business-wise with yeah. Amarana? So um, in, in my case, personally and, and business, is, it's just the same. Mm -hmm. uh, this will stay for a couple of years. So uh, with Amorana, you know, we have internal numbers that we want to reach, uh, you know, with the market. Um, this, is, this is clear. But another thing we, we really want to focus on is, and that, this is something we believe in our team, that we believe that people um, should be sexually happy. This means uh, everyone, you know, you realize that, or I did in my relationships, uh, we had the argue, we had the argument, we discussed, discussed, we had sex, and afterwards everything was okay again. So this equation is quite simple and straightforward. So what we decided is we need to help couples, you know, to uh, try new things. And how do we do that? We try to inspire them to try new things. Mm -hmm. That's what we do. So we have a blog where we write about, about ideas and we, we try to bring them new products. Uh, we try to be very customer friendly. So these are the things how we try to improve uh, the, the market here in Switzerland. That's the whole concept. Improving people's love life. This is what we need to do. Mm -hmm. and, um, and then you know, the numbers will follow because people are willing to spend money for that. In order to sort of conclude and summarize the episode, uh, you mentioned several topics like also focus and having big numbers as a vision. What are your top tools or gadgets or also additional resources like books or podcasts that you would recommend to other people? So what I love is um, the podcast of Seth Golden. It's um, uh, called Akimbo. Uh, this is a podcast I like, then I like um, the podcast uh, How I Built This, mm -hmm. uh, NPR, How I Built This, uh, fantastic podcast, very inspiring. Uh, then I read a lot of uh, books, um, one of my favorite, especially for marketing, where we jump afterwards into is Oversubscribed, uh, this is a great book. Um, then I have a lot of... Um, I have a couple of apps I like is uh, Stride. Uh, it's, a it's an optimization app where you have like daily tasks you can tickle off and you decide I want to walk every day or I want to, I want to, you know, like daily routines. You're, you're learning to do da daily routines. Mm -hmm. It's called Stride. And um, another thing is uh, the uh, 10 ideas. It's called 10 ideas where you force yourself to have 10 ideas. Um, so, you know, you're, you're a physical guy, you, you trained a lot and people do that, but very often people don't train their brain. Mm -hmm. And this is a very simple way to train your brain. So the idea is you get one question, uh, for example, what can you find in a, in a sunken boat or ship? And then you need to come up with just 10 things that might be down there. And so, you know, it's easy to find number one, two, three, four, that's easy. Sure. But then the next ones are really hard or something like, how can you improve your city? You know, people are always arguing about the city, but how can you pr improve your city? And you have 
first is easy, the second is easy, the third is easy, and then number four, five, six, and, and nine, ten is really hard. You know, how do you find, a, uh, how do you improve a city? And it, it, you need to think about it. And this is something I really like. So I like uh, Stride, I like uh, 10 Ideas uh, and different podcasts. Awesome. Thank you so much for your time, you. Alan. It's been really great to listen to your stories. And I'm already looking forward to your marketing inputs on the next episode. Perfect. Let's hit it. Mm-hmm.